data-driven podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast where we dive deep into how to extract more value from your data, helping professionals transform complex data into compelling narratives that drive clear business direction. I'm your host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. And today, we're going to hear about building a data-driven recruitment funnel. Joining us is Julian Novak, founder of JPNB Consulting, which is a recruitment firm specializing in sourcing top talent for online selling businesses, particularly those operating remotely. They leverage a vast network, have proprietary assessment processes, and a unique hiring method to ensure businesses secure the best marketers, copywriters, developers, and operators, all with the confidence of a 90-day warranty on all hires. Yesterday, Julian and I talked about the role of data in recruitment, and today we're going to continue our conversation and discuss building a data-driven recruitment funnel. Okay, here's my conversation with Julian, founder of JPNB Consulting. It's like you've got a small sample size with actual conversions, but you've got what you might call early funnel signals, where (laughs) you can see are people at least replying? Are they at least you know, maybe going to our website, doing more research, asking some questions? And that indicates if we have a more generally a, a, an attractive company to work for. So I, I want to drill into that a little bit more because I do run a smaller company. And we have come across applicants that feel a bit uneasy going to a, a small company that doesn't have the big brand and reputation what can smaller firms like Story IQ do to make themselves more attractive to applicants? So first of all, it's about understanding, I think, what is the same for like any... It's, it's going to be like sales again. You know, there's so many parallels to recruitment, sales and marketing, but what's stopping them? What are they scared of? And if we boil it down very simply, they're scared of coming in for three or four weeks and being laid off because they're not the right person or we find out that we don't have the budget or we made a mistake, whatever kind of stuff like this. So there's a perception that we are going to be more likely to turn around quickly. The second thing is, will I get paid? Are they they likely to go bust? And am I going to get paid or lose a lot of money and stuff like that and waste a lot of time? And the third thing is, which is something they can answer themselves before they even jump on it, but it's always on the back of the mind is how is it going to look on my CV? So let's just say, for example, I'm working for, I was taking Nestle as an example. I'm working for Nestle and as a small company called, I don't know, Banana and Chocolate, who does these great puddings with banana and chocolate and very fresh and whatever, and they're 20 employees and they're starting to make a name for themselves, but they're not yet in all the main Retailers, for example, they're in, I don't know, Planet Organic or, or Whole Food Market, but they're not yet in Walmart, okay? How is it going to look on my CV, joining these guys and doing two years with them? Am I depreciating the value of my CV with my big Nestle thing, or is it okay? This is something they always struggle with. It's interesting, but it's... Uh, and you'd be amazed at how many people have this on the back of their mind, but still go through the process and 
right until the last minute are thinking about this question that could actually be addressed, you know, in 48 hours, you know, like you think about it, you talk to a few friends, am I okay with this or not? Um, And I'm always amazed at how many people will, I would be able to engage with and, and then take through all the process. And then sometimes at the end, we'll just, I'm not quite sure because, you know, like for my CV and stuff, and then I get like, should uh, recruiters, hire managers look to preempt these questions? I always do, personally. I always do. I always do. But it's interesting how many people will be, yeah, will still go through the process and then right at the end, just come up with that objection. So at these kind of objections, how's this going to look on my CV? Is this company going to be solvent in six months, 12 months? Are they so prevalent when especially people go from a larger firm to a smaller firm that the recruiter should just bring them up early in the discussion? I bring them up. Personally, I always bring them up. I always, because it's also a way to spread it out to a prospect. I mean, I know they're thinking this. I know it. You know, like if someone is working for Nestle or Procter & Gamble and they want to move to um, banana and chocolate, whatever, that's going to be on the back of the mind, 100% it is. When we did the, the recruitment together, you know, I knew people coming from some of your larger competitors, it was on the back of their mind. I 100%, even if they don't say it, it is. And I always say, oh, okay, so you've probably done your due diligence on the company, what did you see? And they're usually going to say, yeah, it looks good to me. Uh, they're smaller than what I initially thought so, or whatever, they say something like this, but uh, I'm quite comfortable and blah. So that means, yeah, they've looked, and probably the solvency stuff, they think that's okay. And then I ask them, you know, and in terms of your career, do you think it fits with where you want to go in the future? Which is a way of saying, do you think it's going to be a big stain on your CV? Or do you think it's going to look good for your CV and stuff? And then they, they start explaining what they think of this and stuff. And it, it helps that to, number one, qualify them. And number two, it, it also helps the, because when you do something like this, like it's interesting, I always think, you're consulting with a client to help them profiling what they actually want, but you're also consulting with a candidate in some way. And I find that, I mean, this is probably a personal thing, but asking questions is a much stronger weapon to convince people. You know what I mean? If you ask the right question, they usually tend to come up with the answers themselves, and it's much better that they do that exercise instead of you telling them. If I just tell them they're a fantastic company, it's going to be so great on your CV, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's just me saying all this. It's just me selling. If I just ask them the question and they come up with that sort of answer, then it's much better. But yes, you do need to ask them. Yeah, I, I think that generalizes nicely beyond just uh, recruitment. It does. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. No one wants to be lectured. <laughs> no. <laughs> Talk <to> that. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> But yes, and then when you, so especially as an external recruiter, you do that first, I'd say, you go to, you're going to talk to 30 to 40 people and you see the results. And then this is when you need to, if you see a huge dropout at this stage, for whatever reason, like, I don't know, you talk to 30, 40 people and you, you can only engage really to the next step and meeting with a founder and stuff like this, you can only engage five of them, let's say. So below 10%. You need to have that conversation with your, if you're an external recruiter with your client, if you're an internal recruiter with your stakeholder and say, look, we're not attractive enough here. We need to work a little bit of our branding. We need to do, send you to do a few podcasts. We need to show the team. We need to do something to show people that we are legit here. And because they're dropping out and it's not, 
it's not okay. It's not good. The, the data could, isn't good enough. Could it be as simple as like a, a career page on a website with high quality information, some pictures, maybe some case studies and people from your company talking about what it's like to work there. Could that provide a significant boost? Yes. And in these things, it's what we've just said, you know, the question and the lecture. Show, don't tell. So like pictures, pictures of who is working with. I, I know some, some people can be a little bit cagey about this, but I've done it with a few clients. Like you put some LinkedIn profile of some of your key employees and then prospective. So it's a double-edged sword because people like me can then harvest that data and then poach your employees and stuff. But, you know, recruiters could, could look at that page. Isn't that trivially easy to do just by going to your LinkedIn page if they already know you're a competitor? You can anyway. You can anyway. What do you think I did for finding people? You know, I go on competitors page, people segregate by sales and bam. You know, so it's, but I know some people can be a bit funny with this and stuff. So I'm just... But uh, yeah, otherwise, prospective employees and talent can come on this page, see a lot of great pictures of people having fun together. Not saying they have a ping pong table in your office and show pictures of people doing ping pong, but you, you get the idea. And yeah, a few LinkedIn profile, a few LinkedIn links in all this, because people would love, will absolutely love having the opportunity to talk to employees in the business. That's the thing. Like, let's just say your VP of sales, you know, having his, his LinkedIn, if you're looking for account managers, for example, or, or, or business developers, these people will love being able to engage directly with the VP of sales. Let's say you've got a hiring manager, right? And you've got the normal interview stages, sit down, I'm the interviewer, you're the interviewee. Are you saying we could also have a step in that process where it's like, hey, this is Jennifer, she'll be one of your peers. Why don't you have a 30-minute meeting with Jennifer? It's not an interview. It's a much more informal conversation where you guys can just chat and learn uh, about what it's really like to work here. Yeah, so that I did it with... I did it with a client that were looking for cold calling, people to do cold calling um, at, at a higher level, not just like, you know, your general... They were cold calling with large organizations to get meetings for... They were selling a... Actually, data solution, you know, cloud data management, stuff like this. Anyway, we had, um, so they were looking to hire 100 cold callers in about 24 months. And what we did, once we had about five or six people qualified for this role, we would organize a play session with one of their top exec and uh, two or three of their manager or like employees and stuff. And then we bring these four or five people and they will do like, you know, a typical like online game, whether it's like uh, finding something about themselves or whatever it is, you know, like half an hour session like this. Um, because it's hard for people who don't know each other to be brought together. If you do that, it turns to an interview. Like the people from inside the business will ask questions like, and what's your hobby? And it turns to an but if you give them a purpose, you give them something fun to do to discover each other and have a bit of a banter and have a bit of fun, then it's extremely valuable because also, um, <laughs> so this is something like we going away from data here, but interview tip, lower the guard as much as you can. Lower the guard, lower the guard, lower the guard. Just ask questions that they don't know why you're even asking the question. And the more you can make it just a conversation and a chat, but through your question, you know what you're looking for and they don't know why you're asking this question, that's where you get the most valuable information. If I start, we've all heard it like, 
are you a good team player? Like, of course, you know, you know, you can smell where it comes from, you know what I mean? Like, but if I'm asking you like, oh, Dom, I saw on your CV, you're a big fan of, uh, of football, you know, um, which team do you follow? And you're going to say, oh, I'm following Arsenal and stuff. Do you go to the stadium quite often? Then you say, oh yeah, I'm going with my mates, you know, to, to the stadium. So that's interesting. He doesn't go on his own. He goes with his friends. He's a social guy. He likes to go to the stadium. Or if you say, no, I prefer to watch on the TV. Oh, uh, do you invite friends and stuff? No, I usually watch it by myself. You know, I prefer to be on my own. And that's an interesting insight as well. Like Dom likes to watch football by himself. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like, you're gathering a lot of data like this and Dom doesn't even know what I'm asking. He thinks we're having a chat about Arsenal. I love this technique and I've only started using it recently. The way it was described to me is a lot of people, right? Let's say they're in the middle of their career. They've done so many interviews. And so if you ask those standard kind of questions, like, are you a team player? They've rehearsed it to death, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I understand. And they go, they go into mode. You can. It's actually quite funny. If you do it like... Do try with these people who you know, they've done a million of interviews and stuff. You ask them a question like this, they go into mode. You can almost see it in their in their facial expression. They go into mode and then they give you the, they, they go chat GPT mode or mode. You know what I mean? They, they just exactly. <laughs> and AI answer. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I like that analogy. It feels like that. I've seen it myself yeah. and I've done it myself. Oh, like I, I've been times. interviewed yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is one of my favorite questions. I've got my little spiel here. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that. Mm. I remember being in an interview like this for a job I was applying for way back 10 years ago, I think. And um, I was just like, I didn't like the company I applied for. I, I don't even know why I went through the process. But anyway, I did. And the people in front of me, I just could tell, like, I just knew, knew, knew it was going to go like this. And then I was just waiting. So we did a chit chat and stuff. And then straight away it came. And my mind started completely switching off from the interview. My, my mouth was talking, but I was just, I was already somewhere else, right? So it was just going through the motion, literally. And I, I always thought about that interview back when I, yeah, when I tried to come up with questions, I'm always thinking, like, is this going to be a, yeah, a question that get them in this mode or am I going to get them to open up, lower their guard and give me about them stuff about themselves? We would agree that uh, essentially catching people off guard with questions that they haven't pre-prepared for gives you some real data, if you like, on the truth of what that person is really like. It's revealing. So that that is all good. What I want to drill into is I think it could be fun to ask a few questions on your football team and stuff like that. But what are some really good questions that are going to give relevant information about their role performance as well that they're unlikely to have encountered in the past? So what do you mean by their role performance? How they did in the past? Well, yeah. So you've got your normal questions, right? Let's uh, say we're recruiting for a, a sales manager. Okay. And we could ask you usual generic questions of tell me about a difficult client you've worked with or when you came up with a creative solution. They've probably prepped for all of that. So what kind of questions could we ask that still are role specific, but that they're unlikely to have heard before that will really make them think? So the first thing is to be clear on the sales role. Is this going to be a new business or existing business? Is this going to be farming? Is it going to be hunting? Let's just say, for example, it's hunting. Great. What kind of contract are we hunting for? Is this going to be 50, 100,000 deals, you know, a month, something like this? Or is it going to be multi-million dollars, you know, deals? Is it going to be large organization? Is it going to be small organization? So once we're clear about this, 
again, are coming back to this, we can map out. So we've got the objective of the rule. What are the objective of the rule? What are going to be the KPI for this rule? How are we going to measure progress, essentially? And once we're clear about that, we can then derive from this KPI what daily action is to be taken. So objective, KPI, daily action. Once we have that, we can understand what's the best person to take this daily action. And then you, you think about attitude, competencies, and knowledge. What kind of person, attitude do they need to have? Is it going to be someone with initiative? Is it going to be someone that's going? Is it going to be someone with their attitude? You can't change the attitude. Well, you can, but they can change the attitude. You can't change it yourself. You can't give support on this. You know, it doesn't. Competency. What kind of competency do they have? Competency is the stuff you know how to do, skills and stuff like that. So do they know how to call call? Do they know how to, not talking whether they like it or not, that's attitude, but whether they can actually do it. And then knowledge, brute knowledge. Do they have do they need knowledge of the industry? Do they need to know a certain amount of people? Do they need to have connections? These are knowledge, you know, like stuff you've, you know, you've built and you know. So if I'm looking, for example, for someone to run a nuclear plant, I'm going to need someone who has knowledge on nuclear physics, right? It's you, you can't do it without that. So once we have that, then we can create our questions. And most of the questions around attitudes. There's the one that usually people struggle with because it's going to be like, are you a good team player, blah, 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 blah. And these are the questions you need to basically, what you need is finding out, finding out the person you have in front of you, discovering that person. And this is where you go, you use your question about your favorite football team. What kind of hobbies do you have? Oh, I like to go to the gym. Do you go alone in your gym or do you tend to listen to music? Yeah, I like to have my headphone on and then I just go and do a hard session and then I go back home and say, oh, great, this is someone who likes to do sports lonely. He wants to be on his own. He wants to be in his bubble. He doesn't want people to disturb him and stuff. Yeah, you know, I've been the captain of my basketball team for the last five years. I'm also coaching the under 16 or whatever. Okay, it's a very different person, isn't it? We're talking about a very different person. So anyway, once we've got this, you get to the situation where you want to know where they're high performing their previous job. Okay, so the easiest way is to give a call to their ex-boss or some, if you can do it, of course, you know, if you, sometimes you can't because they're always still in the job and stuff and you wouldn't, but if you can do it, you give a phone call and have a chat. It's probably easier. I, I find it much easier to just have a phone call instead of sending an email because an email, they're going to think about it. They're not going to want to, to diss the guy and stuff and it's written. But if you give a phone call for the reference, you get a much better reference because you can ask follow-up question. You can sense as well in the call if they are telling you everything or not. You, it's much better interaction. It, Oval. But anyway, so that's that. And then you want to know, for example, if they're going to be dealing with stress really well. Let's just say that, okay? There's going to be stressful negotiation. Am I going to have someone who's cool-headed? Or So first of all, you can have a, you can get a glimpse and it's something I like. So there's a stress thing, right? Just a tip. Stress thing. Am I, so, have I got someone who's cool-headed or not? So you say on your CV you like football. And I'm going to say something like this. I say, all right, you get football, you have a particular team you like and stuff. And you're going to say, oh yeah, I'm a big fan of Arsenal. Okay, fine. Now you need to have a bit of a general knowledge here. If I can, so if I don't know, I will quickly go on Google why I'm having the interview with them. And I will just look at Arsenal news, just check a few things. Let's just say, for example, that Arsenal just lost a big game, 3-0 against one of their rivals. And I would say, oh, they've lost like last weekend or stuff. Uh, did you watch the game? Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched the game. And stuff. So... I will see their reaction. What's the emotional state on this reaction? Is this a, a very calm reaction? Yeah, I watched the game. Yeah, it wasn't really fun. 
I will then poke them a little bit, say, oh, did you make, make fun of you and stuff? Did you, you must have been very mad at this and stuff. <laughs> and then I will see if they pick on it. Do you see what I mean? Like, because some people will straight away say, oh man, I was so disappointed. It was so, and they, they show, they exhibit some reaction on this. That already informs me on their, like, what kind of person they are. Do you see what I mean? I like this technique. Is it possible that there's a lot of noise in the signal here that's just how much they love football and how passionate they are? So you could have someone that is emotionally unstable and they're barely really interested in football. So so they seem chill. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's possible, but it does give you cues. So if they're very chill about it, they might say something like, yeah, yeah, I watched the game, but it's not, it's not a big deal, it's okay. You, you will see if they are. But if they say, oh yeah, I was quite disappointed about it, the way they deliver it will inform you of how, because sometimes like it's interesting, you, you will, if you try it, you will, you will see it. It's very interesting how quickly sometimes people who don't, especially people who don't deal well with stress, they will forget they're in, they are in an interview. You know, they will just start getting on a rant and stuff and start like talking about their friend and what they've said on the text and, and what they've replied even and stuff. And they start like showing a lot of emotions very, very quickly. And that's almost disconnected with like whether they like football or not. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like it does give you an idea of their personality. But that's, so it's not so much what they say, but it's how they show it. Their tone, their body language. So that, there'd be a lot of value then in uh, doing a video call if you can. Oh, you have to. I never do. I never do just a phone call. I mean, it's ridiculous to me. To me, that's ridiculous. You're not even seeing the okay. person for roles <laughs> like this. I mean, this, that's, I mean, we're not, what are we talking about? You've got to do a video interview and even better face-to-face thing um, if you can. And then the other thing is, so we're still talking about stress, okay? Stress management. If I, if I got a, a cold-headed sales director who's going to go like, so you, once you're in this very like qualifying stage and stuff, they've done an interview, they seem really good culture-wise, blah, 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 everything. You've done some some screening, like I've just explained and stuff, with the football, whatever else you want to, but just see how they react to stuff. You want to test stress. You want you think that stress management and being cold-headed is a key thing, right? You've determined this, great. You invite them to a an interview, a technical interview state, and you give them a an exercise, prepare a negotiation for something, okay? Now, when they deliver that role placing, whether it's a presentation about a, a strategy, whatever you want to give them, right? You engineer stress in that delivery. So you will, on purpose, ask them a lot of stressful question and give them, for example, like a say, oh, it's a bit long. Can you come up with an answer quicker? Or just engineer a way to just stress. And you'll see how they did with it during the interview. So for example, you could say something like, a negotiation and uh, role-playing a negotiation. And during that role-play, you will ask them a question that, for example, need them to think about, like, like you, you give quite a lot of data, for example. It's quite easy with what you do. You've got a lot of data. Quickly, you give them to them. And then they need to come up with some calculation that are inordinately complicated, that you can't just come up like this. And you say, I mean, you've got 30 seconds or something ridiculous like this, right? So, and you will see, like, how... Do they handle this or not? Do they just take a time out and say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do this in 30 seconds, but if you, and then you poke again, you know, you have, we have to do it. Like you can be in situation and it's important and stuff. And you just poke and poke and poke and see like how they're able to take that and deal with it. And it's not even like, you're not even expecting the right answer. 
you're expecting to see how do you say completely like lose some people do it it's amazing like you you would see some people lose composure in seconds like Oh, it's, 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 uh, 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 it's just really, yeah, yeah, it's quite, and you might think like it's a bit harsh to do this to the candidate and stuff, but I always think personally, if you really determine that this is a key thing and that situation that might encounter in the job, it's much better to discompose in an interview than jump in a role with you and then start discomposing like this in front of clients in the first month and then lose their job. Couldn't agree more. So, yeah, but like, if you want to test some stuff like this, you need to engineer them in the in the process. And if you want to test stress, stress like resistance to stress, engineer stressful situation. If it's yeah, if you want to engineer creativity for like negotiation, engineer a situation where they're going to have to come up with something unexpected and creative. I remember one of the things I actually did an interview like this for. We wanted again salespeople with a lot of initiative. So what we did is we, we took, we brought them to, it was a late stage interview and stuff. And the interview was very simple. We're on Zoom. We gave them a few information about an idea prospect. So we're looking for hotel chains, size of this, blah, 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 blah. And then we said, Go, we have, you have half an hour or 45 minutes, I think it was, and find us some prospects. And it's amazing. Like we had three people. One of them didn't get started, couldn't get started. The two others started like creating like prospect lists. One of them started calling straight away and stuff. Yeah. And uh, you see it straight away. It's amazing. Who has initiative? Who has, yeah, that particular trade you're looking for? It's just three tips. Yeah, very handy tips there. So I want to ask you about since the release of ChatGPT, how that's affected the sort of applications that you're getting. Things like cover letters pre-screening questions, basically anything that's written that an applicant could send in, have you noticed a change as a result of this technology now being in everyone's hands? So it's interesting because I don't do very much roles where I get 500 applicants submitting me something. I do more like a headhunting type role. So it's usually me going to high profile people. But saying this, the whole chat GPT stuff actually, I think, pushes you to be a lot more savvy in how you test and assess people. You can't really do like your typical assessment where people need to bring answers to a particular set of questions because ChatGPT will just, like, even with Google Trends, people can find the answer to pretty much anything in Google. But with ChatGPT, you don't even need to, you know, make an effort now anymore. You know, you don't even need to do the research. The whole thing will do the research for you. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of these tests sometimes, I actually, to be honest with you, a lot of the time, this sort of like written piece assessment, I did them because I knew the client wanted them and they were fussy and, okay, fine, we, we made it. But I never believed in them anyway. You know, you give 48 hours to someone to do a task, but I, what are you going to get with this, to be honest with you? You're not getting the raw information about someone. Um, you know, they're in their lounge, they're talking to their partner, they're in a very comfortable place. You know, you're not getting anything with this. It's much better if you want to do assessment, you bring them on an assessment and then assess them. So do then, it live. Then, yeah, do it live. Yeah, do it live. Yeah, yeah. Because even pre-chat GPT, if they know the right person, maybe their partner works in the industry. And so what, what have you discovered? I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But certainly I think for like internal recruiting teams and getting back to the data piece now a little bit more, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the actual 
applicant screening is based on asking for a written task of some sort and something like this. And now, yeah, it's getting very difficult. I think it's going to get very difficult with this to, to actually screen people without um, meeting them. Interestingly, I think for recruiters, it's going to make their job a lot harder to, to actually do mass screening without, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more, I bet that technologies in video assessment will peak up quite significantly. Give it a year or two and we will see a lot more, um, you know, yeah, video-based assessment where someone logs in onto some sort of system, he's recording on the camera and then they get questions on the screen and then they need to answer immediately like this to remove that sort of thing. That's a fascinating idea. Yeah, I'm certain we will see that a lot more. That is so interesting. I never never thought of that idea because we use some pre-screening written questions and even some work product tasks that are time-bound. And the reason we do it, of course, the most ideal way to screen someone is for a human being to sit down with them just the way we're doing now. But when you're dealing with a large sample, it's inefficient. Ah, it's impossible. And yeah. so the idea of them having to react in real time to pre-prepared questions, but those questions are novel to the applicant is very appealing to me as an efficient way to get an accurate kind of real-time response. There's a tool that already exists. It's called PlayOn, I think. It's a weird name. I think PlayOn is called, where it's not great. I've used it a few times, but it's not, it's not amazing. It's not very appealing. You get a huge amount of dropout on this because people are not yet used to recording themselves. Like the way, I think the way to do it properly is to have like a video of yourself saying, hey, Matt, or hey, John, whatever. This is Dom. I'm the founder, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to ask you three or four questions to determine if you're the right fit first. If you don't mind recording yourself and blah, 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 blah. And then they see a video of you and then there's this, you know, there's a, a bias of reciprocity. If you see someone on video, it's okay to record yourself. Whether it's if it's all written and you don't see anyone, but you have the one, you have to be the one recording yourself. You get a lot of dropout on this. You know, people just don't want. To yes, do uh, we've we've had a good success rate with uh, giving people clear instructions and asking them to record. But it, it's almost like leaving a voicemail. I always feel a little bit awkward. Yes, I agree. But yes, I think that's a future for, for recruiting large-scale role like this and having to do assessments. And also with that, you would probably have as well, because this is also painful to go through five minutes video one at a time, you, you'd probably have you know tools to extract captions of the video the guy has done, and then you can skim read it quickly, and then you can just decide. Yes oh, or no. Man, the tech on uh, voice, uh, sorry, yeah, voice to text now is just, it's almost seamless, really. I mean, that's slightly it, off that's topic, it, so, but this sounds yeah. like a incredible startup idea where it's a AI-based kind of video platform where you've got some pre-recording that does the interview mm. for you in real time, but you don't need a person yeah. there to do it. And then the AI could further analyze and screen the resulting material. So you need to be careful with this because so this is... You'll see if you want to put that in the in the interview. But I, I did a bit of... Um, so I was interested. I did a bit of an experiment last week. I was interested to know whether or not AI tools had bias in recruitment. It's just a question I was asking myself. I don't know. There was some stuff in ChatGPT. I was like, this is interesting you're saying all this. So anyway, I went on that stuff. You know, MidJourney is the tool that everyone is obsessed with to create images and stuff. And I went and asked MidJourney to... Have you ever tried it or not? I have. I've run some very interesting experiments just the other day where I said, 
create a image of a doctor. And as you know, Midjourney will create four images and all four of those images depicted the doctor as a male. Yeah. So clearly so, there's some bias embedded uh, within Midjourney. So I did, I did, I asked ChatGPT Midjourney to create me an A player sales director. And it showed me a male, white, with a beard, quite young, about our age. Then I asked Chad, um, Midjourney to create me a competent, a very competent cleaner. And he got me, there was a white guy with a beard, with a mop. There was a black dude. There was an Arabic looking guy. And there was, I think, another white guy, um, all quite young as well. Then I asked him to create, to do me a slow incompetent cleaner and it got me four white men quite old all very old yeah i know slow old and slow it is it's interesting yeah no 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 and then i just went off piece and then i said street thug that's what i was street street thug four black four black i was like i mean that's four tests i've done and it's like the most biased and I was like, I was amazed, to be honest with you. I was absolutely amazed. It's so funny. I, I ran the same experiments and it's like the exact kind of harmful stereotypes. It's almost like, I know. Are just straight. I- Without even a filter um, or anything. It was just like it, so raw and so like, yeah, was, yeah. my God. And um, it, yeah, so. It's very interesting because OpenAI has put a lot of effort into trying to make sure that their product doesn't do it. And I think they've been more successful. But the fact that, yeah, that mid-journey, it's just that it's so blatant. It's a bit of a It's interesting, isn't it? I know it's quite so... Yeah, anyway, so AI in recruitment, and in the same way as well, to be honest with you, we started the podcast, I think, with when we talked about data, we talked about, you know, the gut feel and the emotion. There's always going to be an emotional aspect in recruiting because it's people having people. So uh, I'm not sure it's the right idea either losing this. I think you still have to meet people. I think you still have to be comfortable with people and have a, there's an element of, I wouldn't say chemistry, but almost, you know, um, that you need to find between you and especially for top hires and even life for. And I think that can only be achieved with meeting people. At the end of the day, it's still going to be something where people have to meet people. Testing and assessing is part of it, but there is an element of meeting people and, uh, yeah, I don't think you can replace this. Um, you can inform it better. You can assess it better, but you can't go without it. I don't think you can. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, I think there's potential to use AI as a tool. Um, but yeah, it, it's worth remembering those biases, even if you, for example, OpenAI has tried to put in some safeguards, as they call it, to ensure that the... Uh, some of those biases, like those racial and gendered biases, don't show up in the outputs of the model. That's great, but it doesn't mean that it's not still embedded deep within the model in a way that's difficult to understand. And so it's very difficult to verify that those biases aren't being reflected in some way that's perhaps inscrutable and almost impossible to detect. So I think that's a, a great example there just to, to warn folks of what can happen. So I had one final question that I've got to ask, which is how can people get their hands on some decent data about salaries? Do you have any sources? I know of some free sources, of course, 
without disparaging any of those big websites, I'd say I've found them at times to be unreliable, especially for more niche roles. Are there sources that people can pay for that you think are better than the free sources that are available where people can get an accurate picture of what they should be paying for a particular role? I think the easiest way, and I do it myself, is if I don't know the niche I'm looking at, if I don't know the industry or the particular role, I phone a few recruiters who specialize in the niche. Doesn't mean you're going to work with them. It doesn't mean you you just have a consult with them. You have a chat, you ask a few questions. And among these questions, you invest like 20 minutes. You'll know. You'll know quickly. You'll know quickly. Then you can look at... But how do the recruiters know? How are they being data-driven? Or are they they're really just going off the data they've collected through experience in a way and some intuition? Yes. And I think like in my view, this is... This is far more reliable than a website is collating data based on, we don't really know what, to be honest with you. I mean, I've looked at Glassdoor, I've looked at other things like this, and I've even bought some data, and it's so okay, but it's, yeah, it's, I think it's 50%. The more commoditized a role is, the more that data is going to be accurate, right? It's an, another sample size issue. I mean, to, to share a specific example with viewers, we're a data storytelling training company. We employ a lot of trainers that do uh, live training. And the salaries that we see when you look for corporate training in the United States or United Kingdom or whatever is consistently way below, maybe half of um, what we think is an appropriate and fair salary because so many of those roles, that the people in those roles don't have the experience that we need people to have. We need people that can train and be interesting presenters and facilitators, but also that understand data and analytics and data visualization. And so the confluence of those two skill sets, I have so far not been able to find uh, accurate data on that. And so it sounds like what you're saying is don't expect to and just try and talk to someone that's recruited for that sort of role. Yeah, 100%. Honestly, 100%. There's, there's no like, because especially if you, now, if you're saying I'm a box standard call center, I need a German speaking customer service to do Windows installations or whatever. Yeah, fine. Like you're not looking for anything specific, but as soon as you're looking at an industry specific thing and you have some characteristics, particular characteristics you want and stuff, you already, this is what we talked about. It's often demand, isn't it? It's like, what's the size pool of the, the talent pool for this? What's the... And no one can know that. Like, there's no data tool that can actually harvest that sort of like linear. You're going to have to talk to someone who specializes in these kind of roles, um, who's done it for the last two years, who understand the evolution of this market, who's done it, done a few of these roles recently and stuff, who can actually give you, with a legitimate amount of accuracy, what's the salary right now for these kind of things. Otherwise, yeah, it's like going like this, you're shooting in the dark almost. Um, it's not really... It's not very efficient, I think. And uh, it also gives people, I think, a, a, an unclear idea of the reality when it comes to salaries. And yeah, it's talk to people about it. It's much easier and it doesn't take long. Thanks. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you'd like to share with us today? I think we've, we've gone around the whole recruiting thing. We talked about data. We talked about like, interviews, assessments, stuff like this. We even ventured into AI, which is great for a, a podcast currently. I think it's going to be an interesting for people. 
You know, the last thing I would say probably is, um, you know, that thing, I can't remember who coined the term now, but uh, higher, slow, fire, fast, I think, you know, like at least the higher, slow, I totally agree with it. It's usually whatever the role, you know, like just, just take your time. Take your time to see quite a lot of people. Take your time to assess people properly. Take your time to really meet people. Um, it's how it works, honestly. I know like it's always like, you know, being quick and this and that and stuff. But, uh, you know, with these things, you know, it's like you meet people and you take the time to really assess them properly and get to know them and everything. Um, it's a game that needs investment, um, recruiting. It really does in terms of time and, and you know, emotions and stuff. Um, you need to really... Spend the time to know people properly before you move on. Word of wisdom. <laughs> no way around doing the work. Can't uh, get AI to do it for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Maybe not the takeaway I wanted to hear, but I can't argue with that. <laughs> got to invest the time, got to invest the effort. That's right. Good stuff. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Julian, founder of JPNB Consulting, for joining us. Just one link in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't get a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling narratives with our audience of data storytellers, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is StoryIQ on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is at Bohan Dominic on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes every week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But remember that when it comes to data, less is more.